Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Agent Missional Podcast. This is episode 26, and today we're going to talk about post-secondary and post-grad engagement and disengagement. Let's do this! Hey, thank you guys so much for joining us today on our episode. It's going to be an awesome time. And we got a special guest today. We got Letty Wong. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. And as usual, our main hosts, Bernard and Shu. What's going on? Yo, yo. Hi, Mrs. Lowe. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is happening. This is happening. Yes. Letty just got married not too long ago. <laughs> it is awesome. Hi. Yes. We got this great topic today. And it's something that has been talked about for quite a while. But before we jump into that, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? And do you remember what it was like to be in university or to be graduated from university? I'm Letty, and I've worked at Ambassadors for Christ for about eight-ish years. I remember when I was in university, because I get to go to the university so often. And post-secondary and post-grad was almost... Like yesterday, because <laughs> <laughs> we were still there at the schools and we went to Urbana and stuff. So it still feels very new. Yes, yes. And when you are at the schools and you look around, does it remind you of when you were in school or is it very different? I think there's definitely a difference with like what this generation struggles with. And mm-hmm. when I first went to Gulf, there was not a lot of Asians. And now there's so many Asians sure. in Gulf. And like, we knew every single one that was there when we were there. Nice. Now we don't. So. Nice. Bernard and Shu, do you guys remember what it was like to be in university? That was a long time ago for us. <laughs> yeah. Man. Not that, that old. We are pretty old. It's better than high school, at least for me. I don't know, man. No. University was kind of weird. <laughs> I ended up with a weird degree. Is this semiotics or, yeah. or something? Semiotics. Semiotics. What Christianity is... and culture. Huh? And I did minor in economics. Where was it? How did you minor in economics? Who are you? <laughs> what? That, that's the only part that people get. I don't know. <laughs> now I went to U of T. Wait, wait, what's that term you used again? Semiotics. Semiotics, Semiotics yeah. is uh, the science of signs. So it's about how the message is being communicated, not necessarily just with words, but with symbols, with postures. With Oh. It's, it's the idea of communication. Very interesting. The, the study of M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan's movie, yeah. Signs. <laughs> An underappreciated classic. <laughs> yes, yes. So today we are talking about this specific topic. It's been really interesting to examine the trends and to see what's been going on. You know, many people have researched or written and spoken about the specific topic and the culture of those in this age range. And some have, you know, on one side said, oh, they're noticing that there's a hemorrhaging faith or that there is this exodus of young adults in the churches. And people have attributed it to those going to university or have graduated from university and how they have been able to re-engage or reintegrate into the church or whether they feel disengaged. And so, Letty, we're so glad that you are here today talking with us. And as someone who's worked a lot with university students and young adults, what have you seen? Would you say that these terms these ideas are accurate or or do you see another side of it? I think some of these terms and the way they describe it is quite accurate, but 
It also is a little different in terms of the Asian Christian community as well. A lot of it, like, I think it doesn't speak completely into the Toronto unique experience. Some of the findings, it's like they're filling the gaps, but they're also, there's a lot that our community is already doing that these researchers don't actually see. Mm. Yeah, and like some of them are actually learning from us. Hemorrhaging Faith came out first, and they talked about like at which point it was more prevalent. But then the latest one is called Renegotiating Faith, and then that one stemmed from the first one. Right. And that one looked deeper in the period of the young adults. And I think some of the terms they use speaks quite relevantly in terms of the idea of renegotiating them back in the church when they're back and how they engage then. But I think for the Asian community, it's less about leaving the church altogether, but leaving the Chinese church. Okay. Asian Asian church. church. All right. Like, what have you seen in terms of like non-Asian churches? Are there a lot of people leaving? Are there a lot of people being disengaged and feel that they can't reconnect back to the church? I think like some of just with a lot of the people that we work with and the partnerships we do have, we do see that for the non-Asian churches, it's actually leaving the church altogether okay. and not finding a new church. Mm. Whereas, Is that like a mainstream church? Yeah, like quote-unquote quote unquote mainstream. Yeah. Sometimes some students like to think that it's multicultural, but it depends on our definition of that. I think as well, like students leaving, to, it's a grass is greener because it's multicultural, but... What is, like we we've talked about this on yeah. much episodes. Like, what is multicultural? <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what, what is multi ethnic? Yeah, what is multi ethnic? And like, is, is it just going to some another church that's like that makes you more faithful? Diversity, more like the kingdom. Yeah, is, is that what the kingdom <laughs> is? Because it's it's more diverse. And I'm honestly not trying to just pick at that, but like, it's also just even understanding what's the point of our Asian churches. Hmm. You know, hmm. our ethnic Asian ethnic churches that that's more particular. You know what are what's the reasons that we exist, and it makes us have to ask those questions for ourselves. Is that more like a second gen question, though, because I guess like for immigrant churches, a lot of it is a familial community where they find safety in relationship. But the second gen is kind of like, well, what what does that fit? What does what does that space look like? Maybe they're renegotiating. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Yes, yes. So, Letty, I just want to kind of follow up with a question is, when some of these conversations started and those reports came out, like the hemorrhaging faith, how did you respond to it? How did working with an organization that works with university students, did that shift your perspective? Did that change, you know, the way you you were engaging? Or did it confirm a lot of things for you guys? I think when Hemorrhaging Faith first came out, I was still relatively new into the ministry. And at that point, I was like, oh, okay, we will see what we can do to cover as much as we can. Yeah, for those lacks. And and part of it was, for example, for Teens Conference, instead of having like trainings that was one or two times, we've changed it and developed it into a more mentorship kind of relationship. And so... That was to fill the idea of, oh, like, if we don't know them, how are we going to follow up with them? And so Mm -hmm. that changed a lot of how we worked with the volunteers, at least. Sure. Yeah. That's great. And I I guess, like, this this might be a place to tease that out a little bit, too. But, you know, you worked with youth in in the context of conferences and a lot of the other initiatives that you guys had. In being able to track their journey and walk alongside them, 
what were you noticing that they were experiencing as they you know, moved out of high school into university? I think one of the things we definitely notice is that when they have a communal experience, then it's easier for them to continue that on right. in their university time. And so there is that natural progression to continue on with their Asian Christian fellowships, their Chinese Christian fellowships on campus. And then there are ones that want to experience something different. And sure. so there's different groups that go to different ones where we feel a lot of the leaders continue to want more. And then the ones that are just getting comfortable will stay within the community a little more. Mm. Do you think, I'm, I'm open to what you guys think as well. Do you guys think it's easier as Asians to kind of make those kind of connections or have that communal experience? I think Toronto is in a unique place for sure. it, that we have certain things that we've always had to these kids. They think that like TC or CCSA have always been around. Sure. But then uh, it's haven't not. Haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> They've existed since the beginning of time. When Jesus is around. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus played on a softball team. Home runs. Home runs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like, yes. it. I thought Jesus was on my team. <laughs> <laughs> For me growing up in Ottawa, being exposed to Toronto and what was happening here, it was just amazing, right? Like there was this drive for us as, as high school students to want to come to Toronto to be part of TC or to participate in, in other ways. But it wasn't the same case in Ottawa. Like Ottawa did really have, you know, a softball league that at least I knew of. <laughs> Maybe we had a the sheer size. ice hockey league, <laughs> CCSA, <laughs> snowshoeing league. I don't know, but Curling. you know what? Yeah, <laughs> Curling, Curling league. Oh, oh man, we I should have started that up. Where were you twenty years ago? CCSA I, still <laughs> in Toronto. That's right. <laughs> Let's switch gears a little bit. You talked about this a little bit earlier, but there are some that are leaving, some post secondary or post university young adults that have left church, left faith communities. What have you seen in terms of the, their reasonings? Why have they decided to step away? What has led them to be disengaged? And a lot of the ones that have left the church fully just feels the church is not tolerant of some of the things that they were experiencing sure. in, in their campuses, and they feel judged from the church themselves. and. And they just didn't feel like they fit in that community anymore. Okay. So I, I got to ask, what were some of the things that they felt judged about? What were some of the things that they felt the church was not tolerant of? Part of it, I think, is like the worldviews of what is right and what is wrong. And the church holds a very strong point of like, there is only one right. And mm. the Asian church, there is that idea of like, you have to be good. You have to. Like, why? Yeah, like <laughs> good behavior. See, see, you know, I wonder because what I've noticed in in some of the students in in my church and and even like in various churches as well, I find some some of that issue is in Asian churches may not be communicating the why of what is right mm. or or wrong or in in the truths of scripture or, or even the traditions of of Christian faith. And I think. What's appealing about whether it's other worldviews or even particular, even going to now them leaving Asian church, Asian immigrant church, and going to another church, it's like I find there's been some churches that are being able to communicate those right and wrongs a lot more clearly, a lot more 
at least in a systematic way, you know where I'm going with this. But, <laughs> but it's interesting because, you know, we started off with the question of, are young people leaving church? But then this is not leaving church. This is leaving Asian church. Oh, sure. Because of the rubrics of the culture, the traditions, the ideologies. But then for folks that are still sticking to church, I guess, like as she was saying, a lot of people are, they, they desire that black and white. Some people. But I wonder if a lot of people are leaving church because there's just no space for the gray. Mm. Like I have friends that, you know, have left church and a lot of it is like they're in a cognitive level through university in the such high level thinking, but then there's no space for that within the church dialogue and engage. There's no place for like, well, can't, can't I have these questions and still believe in the savior and the Lord of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times it's like, I, I'm not sure a lot of churches posture that way that we can even meander through this, these gray areas mm. of our faith. So that there's really not space for people to come together and to wrestle through that together. Right. And I think like within the schools, they, even within fellowships and stuff, they do have that. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And then I remember my my experience is more in, in university and like CCF. You had more space to to wrestle with that with people. And for some reason there's a tipping point after you finish where you you go back to your church or or you're not really with the people that were more comfortable in those gray areas. And then some people want really, you know, black and white stuff. Some people don't want that black and white stuff at all. And Hey, I'll say this as a pastor. Sometimes like we'll just go to the person, like the pastor who knows the answers. <laughs> and little yeah. do they know. Yeah, like, <laughs> right? like, and I and then that's a good question. Uh, yeah, let me think about that. What does Jesus say about that? <laughs> but I, I think that's part of why there is this kind of you know there there that's part of the silent exodus of things that are happening. Yet, what's interesting is I think. What happens with a lot of churches, instead of thinking of the engagement, they think more on a retention mm. kind okay. of talk. Mm-hmm. Instead of a yeah. instead of an engagement, instead of a how do we how to create space? How do we actually you know work these things out? I mean the the whole together. the whole premise of a lot of these conversation too is how do we how do we keep the people, the church? Mm. How do we bring them back? But mm. it's like I don't know, maybe maybe I'm reading the Bible wrong, but I thought the whole thing about the scriptures was to go on mission, right? It's to live out this kingdom lifestyle. And it's not to try to keep people in it. It's that the very presence of Jesus uh, unfolding in the lives of people, people will stick to it. It's just, you know, I wonder if that's been lost in a way because mm-hmm. of fear. I mean, like we, we see it as a whole, like that the North American church is dying. You know, I was chatting with a friend of mine who is in a major denomination within Canada, and they were like, 75% of our churches are struggling. Mm. 75? Yeah. Wow. wow. So we're, we're seeing that all across mm-hmm. a lot of the major denominations, right? Mm. So, And I think when it's like the struggling, we also have that idea of like, oh, like good help is scarce. So we got to bring everyone back so that all these <laughs> ministries could be filled mm. with people to help. And like sometimes... It, Part of it is even for myself when I first went back to my church, it was like, oh, perfect. You can do children ministry again because you're back and we need people. (laughs) But then maybe I've grown in another area of my life that could continue to develop. But 
because those are the needs. That's really fascinating. Based off what you just said, you know, maybe when you come back, you've had these years, these formative years, and have wrestled through so much and have developed your faith or your understanding of your relationship with Jesus in a specific way. But there may not be going back to your church, that recognition or that environment of being okay to be like, oh, I've, I've grown in this way and I want to continue to grow in this way. But that like, oh, you're back. We need to get you plugged into this. Yeah, but that, I think that's also, and to just bring it back to some of the, the Asian culture, right? Like there's that, that family innate family culture, patriarchal culture, and that there's always, you know, the older people will be the older people, and you, you young people will always be young. <laughs> you sit at that table. That table. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys play around over that at the kids' table, and, and we, we'll do the real adult things. And, but then, what I, I will say, what actually, you know, kind of coming back to why there's a pull towards get these things going, I don't want to just be pessimistic about this, but a lot of it has to do with the, uh, the institutions that we built, and that we just want to keep those things running but not necessarily like you guys are trying to say is have a new imagination for, for what ministry, what, what, what following Jesus and his mission looks like and even space to talk about that and how to invite other people towards that so that they can develop. And even me talking about this, by the way, it sounds kind of nice, but it's almost like we don't really know exactly what that looks like all the time either. Sure. You know, and I think that's what, that's the gray, that's fearful the area, the gray the, area. <laughs> which is I, maybe I think for, for immigrants who are coming over, who are establishing something yeah. that's concrete, they don't want to get back into that. Oh, I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, for sure. But so needed. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to go back. I'm curious when I was at U of T, I never went to campus fellowship. I'm curious of, you know, your experience or maybe your students experience, like how did campus fellowship and being on campus uh how does that inform understanding of church because i i wonder because mm. that's also one of the areas that i've often wrestled with when i see like many of my former students come back and it's like they have seen something different and they want that right but they can't have that is that a realistic expectation though i don't know it, it's funny because like as a small church guy I used to, I, like when I was a college pastor, I was like, yeah, no, that's unrealistic. How can you live in these, like, you know, like small huts of people together, you know, you guys eating and <laughs> dining together and, you know, serving together mm-hmm. and being, being community together. But then now I'm like, maybe it is possible. Sure. <laughs> and I asked that question because I'm just wondering if re-engaging back into a church and saying, well, I've experienced this or I've seen this model or I've or I've been part of this fellowship, why can't we do that at church? Or why can't it be like that here? Is that already coming in with a posture of like antagonizing, almost at the point where it's kind of an either or? Like this was the old way, or I've, I've experienced a new way or a fresh way. Rather, can we come into a place where, you know, even those coming back into the church is stepping back into a community of people who have developed their values, their culture in a certain way, and that it will, you know, to shift any organization or any group of people is tough because, you know, you're working out also all the stuff that came before. So what could that look like? But even for those going into university, coming out of university, starting their careers, like, do they identify themselves as adults? 
or they do they still feel marginalized because of their age? The world does. Okay. Right? Like the world does, but I guess like it's I think it's the Asian church more so than a non-Asian church that would do that. Like there is a quicker forced maturation that has to that happens in a non-Asian church. Okay. No, you guys need to step up. We we see you as leaders or adults now. And they get married, maybe younger too. Or as long as you wear whatever. skinny jeans and black <laughs> shirts and you're an adult. You got the job. <laughs> no, I think that's true. And there's also the idea of like, once you reach a certain age, like most English congregations are a certain age cap. And then you can only do so much up to that cap before there's no more roles left for you. That is leadership in your eyes. And and a lot of them left. So even for myself, yeah, when I was still here, like I stayed at my church, but all my peers had left because there was mm-hmm. no more space for developing. There's no mentors if you don't connect with the Chinese congregation. Mm-hmm. And so if all your mentors continue to leave, then you're always going to have that gap. It's probably the main, a big like Asian church struggle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you have one or two leaders that, can go in between that was like oh okay yeah i'm willing to work with the chinese speaking side and then you might get a little further and have a little more input on the english side but then generally if you're second generation you don't really want to step into that unless go to the more meetings yeah <laughs> go to more meetings. Well, aren't meetings amazing and fun and <laughs> Well, it depends what kind of meetings they are, I guess. And if there's openness in the meetings. Yeah. I think yeah. there is one side of it where you could invite a young person to be a leader, step into a meeting and say, oh, yeah, we want you to be here. But it's quite another thing to give them voice, mm-hmm. give them responsibility, give them share in the leadership, be approaching it in a mutual way. Mm-hmm. Right? It's kind of like what you were saying, John, about when – the students come back and they have this experience and they kind of want to see a shift, but then the home church has already formed values and structures. Sure. Right. And then there's this huge tension because it's like, well, I've experiencing like something different and that was sure. so real and raw, but like, I'm not experiencing it here. Mm-hmm. Like, like my question would be like, what, well, it, where's the space where we can wrestle the certain dialogue? between the two difference of approach or perspective. So I want to just quickly jump into that is because if you've been away at school for four years, your church has also been continuing to grow and develop, you know, on their track for four years. And so it's almost like any friendship, right? If you haven't seen someone in four years, sure, there might be still some commonalities and stuff, but you might be a completely different person. After four years, 10 years, down the line, and you reconnect, and you might find some points to connect, but you've also lived different lives. But I think there's a certain expectation from both ends, right? Like students coming back with a refreshed perspective, and there's a desire to see change. Mm-hmm. But then the church, like, th- yeah, you're right. Like, th- there's been years, but then there's also expectations of, like, yeah, you know, like we've been doing something good here too. Sure. It's just at the end, do we see that there's both good and bad on both ends? Mm. And that we can sit and say, well, if we have good and bads on both ends, is there a way that we can chart forward together? Or do we have to make that hard decision of like, come under us or and get out? That's an ultimatum right there. That has to be so ingrained within your values 
and how you operate and how you create space, like you're saying, as a leadership group, as a discipling mechanism, as a mentoring model. I do not know if any Asian church that sees that need, especially in our in our area, and I'm I'm sure most over Canada too, if, if anyone from Canada is listening this other than our area. But hopefully we'll yeah. reach out there these Canadian Asian. But maybe all our listeners are from the States. I don't know. There there oh, are particular issues that are happening right here in that way that as these students come up, do we even create that space for like dialogue for hey, how do we work out some of the stuff that you've been wrestling with? And how do we actually show that we're we're engaged with the issues that that you're actually really passionate about and that we believe that's a fabric of what makes the church, that the Holy Spirit's even working in right. young and old mm-hmm. altogether that way. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we've done a great job with that. I think some churches have started to be more aware of that and they keep those relationships over the four years those students are away where they'll go sure. visit instead of just being like, all right, bye. Come back in four years, kind yeah. of thing. But come back um, in four years and help the church. And help the church, right? Here's but, a space for children ministry. That's right. <laughs> Always children ministry. We'll hold that it is warm a need for you. <laughs> I have a question. I've always had a question about this in terms of like ACF, CCF, Chinese Christian Fellowship, Asian Christian Fellowship. Is that it's always been it's fascinating. Student driven, student run was the motto, mm-hmm. right? So it's like it's building student leadership, building kind of like taking ownership of your own faith, right? And those are really cool things. And there is almost like a, a mentoring, discipling that happens innately through that because you, and, and I was part of that too in, in my CCF where you, you're, the older people took, take care of the younger people, the incoming, you make people feel welcome and you're part of this community together and you get a glimpse of heaven. Okay, whatever. But you, you get, Family. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, the kingdom. Okay. But you get a, you get a, Blown away right. by the glory. Yeah. <laughs> but then, the but, but then when they, when they go, back to their home churches it's like there is there's a lack of connection or do you even agree that there was it's a difficult baton you know passing on whether it was into university even though if there were people with relationships that way from churches but then when they come back it's like it's almost like that that mentoring or kind of stuff like fades away right because they're going back to the home churches people from different places you know in the area already so it's almost like it's great that they learned those kind of leadership skills and, and, you know, fellowship, like almost like, you know, being church essentially, but then going back to their home churches or, you know, their new churches, whatever. And then they're like, well, th- what is this? Mm. You know, like, so I, I'm just curious because you were part of your, that organization. Like, is that the way that we want to see, you know, discipleship? Like, like, these four years, they get discipled over here and then they come back. Like, there must be these missing links, you know, that are happening there. Those are definitely questions that we've asked. And like, I mean, a lot of students, one of the biggest things they say is that it's when they go to Asian Christian Fellowship or Chinese Christian Fellowship, it's like there's a sense of home away from home. And so there is something about that that they innately crave, that that sense of home. And church is that sense of home to them, too. but. There is, I think when they're on campus, there is that communal purpose for the campus that is not the same when they come back to the churches. And so, yeah, I think we're like, we're definitely still working through that in terms of how do we partner well with the church to enable that. I don't think we've done that really in the past well enough. And so once 
the students are done, then their focus is also like, oh, now I need to look for a job. And yeah. And like life happens and, <laughs> and then there's just, it's just spirals, right? Like you look for a job and it's like, you're getting a house and all of that. Yeah. And then, yeah. and I think like they lose that sense of communal purpose for the kingdom. I think in the renegotiating faith study, they did a really good explanation kind of of that idea of when you come back to a certain place, your faith is renegotiated with alongside your role. And so your role in the church changes as well. So before mm. you were known as so-and-so's kid at church. And then, oh, okay, you're known as that young adult that is amazing at leading worship. Mm. But then, like, after there's that period where you're away, and then when you come back, they, the church doesn't quite know, and no one vouches for you. But then there are one or two people that still kept in touch with Right. The older folks or whatnot. And then so when someone else is able to bring you back in and help you renegotiate that role, sure. that those people are the ones that still have relationships on both ends. Mm. Yeah, I think like that was yeah. one of the things that that study talked about. And I thought that was really true to some of the things that we experience. Because yeah. when there are mentors that say, yeah, like this person has grown so much in their their understanding of the Bible, then like naturally then others in the church would be like oh okay like maybe you can do this instead of children in again <laughs> but maybe that's your gift yeah <laughs> it's always maybe. children's ministry down to the layer i think it has to do i personally think this has to do with a lot with how the churches are set up where life stages are the only way we know how to work and but it's really interesting because in in actual Asian culture, that's not really how it is. Nope. Like, mm-hmm. but we. Right. This is what we've co-opted from Western culture, actually, to separate and and, and be like, oh, you centralize. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, but no, it's supposed to actually be like, how does the older brother take care of younger brother? How how does older sister, you know, help, you know, whatever? It's just like, yeah. Sorry, the hard part for life stage groups, it's like unless you have a critical mass, like mm-hmm. how how do you form that? Right. Like you can't have like a group of two. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but then if your church had like two college students, that's it. Like they come back, you better bring a friend or else you're going to have a group of two. Right? <laughs> but it's like, it, but you're right. Like to, to kind of, that, that's the, the structure that we are, we're working with. Hmm. And if you get too big, and I, I definitely critique this. Church line? <laughs> that, that should actually happen. be, but no, like you say that. But I think that's the wiser thing to do to to up ownership and to create uh, inter- interdependent relationships beyond uh, life stages. Yeah. So, but if you get to a point where you keep segregating those groups out, then there isn't what you're saying the the intentional space that's created. Right. And like even at, at my church currently, we've been trying to pilot some intergenerational groups, and we're doing, and it's hasn't been amazing, but it's at least you could see people are like it took them a while, but now they're like. Yeah, we're our schedule is really hard to to meet, and there are all these frustrating things. But relationships started to develop. There's a bit more coalescing that was happening, and it's like you really think about it, it takes a few years, right, to even mm. build up certain relationships. But like, can we shoot for things like that that breaks down some of those barriers so these modeling relationships can actually happen? And like, so that mentorship doesn't become another ministry yeah. <laughs> right mentorship is so natural because mm-hmm. people's lives are enmeshed right uh, i think that's that 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 is exactly yeah. what it is 
I think part of it is we've never grown up with that. We've always grown up with, like, we go to our parents' small group, but that's not my small group. And so it's like there's no intergenerational happening. And when we try to do it, it becomes, it's like, okay, a program that the church <laughs> is doing right now. And But it's good because, like, we need to. Yeah. greet with your mentor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't even teach our young people what church is, what Jesus wants for mm-hmm. church and how to contextualize that and how to show that it can keep growing and evolving as the spirit leads. Not just Sunday mornings. Well, I don't want to go <laughs> off that, but you know, like we, we, we teach maybe some of the basics, but we don't actually like give them space to go, wait, church might look very different when you guys lead, you know, like, I think it's more than that. It's more of an understanding of that they are also the church. They're not For just sure. the future yeah. generation of the church. Yeah, they and are. That they are the church. And that as they participate, they're part of reshaping that. And it goes back to the whole idea of role, right? Like stepping in, uh, refining out who we are as part of this church, right? Or as part of this faith community, as part of this family. And it's difficult when, first of all, hasn't been modeled for us in terms of how those bridges look. But secondly, if there is that uncertainty and that unknown of what it looks like, are people hoping that they can get together to figure it out? This reminds me of like Alan Roxburgh, like the adaptive leadership versus technical change, technical leadership, kind of like, I feel our past generations of of, uh, leaders, elders were good at very technical leadership but they didn't implement a way that could be very leadership that was very adaptive Mm. to the changes that are Mm. happening. Mm. And if we don't have leaders who can be adaptive and create space for those thinking on your feet to engage people where they're at, to build relationships that way. It's a, it's a building and people will come, right? It's a, it's a, it's an inherent culture. It's, it's a culture of power of authority. Uh, It speaks to people already, but then we're entering into this post-Christian world and it's like, no, like there is no authority mm. but, or there's no assume authority. There's no assume power. And to keep doing church the same way, it's not going to engage. It's in fact, it's, it's disengaging. Sure. The divide is going to continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I think one of the things that I've been really wrestling and thinking through now that I kind of have more time (laughs) Um, is that like, I think there's something really unique about what we have here in Toronto, but as bicultural Christians, we don't really address it. Like we are apologetic for being Chinese and we don't really talk about what God's place for us Mm. as Chinese Christians are in the church or even, yeah, like all these kids are super gifted. They're all in the position of a lot of privilege, right? Like every single student we meet, their parents have set them up for success. They don't know what failure looks like. There's nothing other than going to university in in their track. They don't think about it. And so we have so that's much messed privilege. up a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Messed up a lot of students just like, oh, if I'm not able to achieve that. Right. I'm a failure in life. Even though the trades... It's yeah. a good place to be. It's a great place. Uh, I want to be a plumber now. Yes. You make good money. I know. That's where all the money is. Yeah. Uh, but, but I was just like thinking like in terms of like there's, you know, when Crazy Rich Asian came out and then there's like subtle Asian traits, like all these things, like there is something very unique in that 
there's that shared experience already. And as Christians, we're not fully tapping into the power of that to share the gospel as well mm. in the kingdom. And it's just something, yeah, like. It's a fascinating thought. Like we're positioned perfectly for something so much bigger. Yeah. As we're talking about this, it's really making me think about, you know, what is the way in which churches are viewing young adults? And maybe that inherently is one of the issues in which we need to kind of unpack more if we're thinking about what does it mean to engage different generations, but to also think about how we are all the church together. Like for a young adult, not just to think about them as a warm body or just as a, you know, as a number, or not even just to think about them in terms of their gifting. Like that they're not just their gifting of what they can offer the church, but rather how are they intrinsically the church, you know, with us and encountering God together and discerning things together, wrestling through things together. And what could that mean? But it's a hard to shift out of that, right? It's, and maybe that's not even a church thing. Maybe that's like culture thing too. Maybe it's acknowledging, and just like in any people, like it's acknowledging people are unique and there are groups of people who have those common factors, but, but that doesn't mean alienate or segregate it's like sure. how do we do it together but appreciate and, mm-hmm. and be so. aware you know be aware of those mm-hmm. those things but but the easier thing to do in the past was just yeah you guys sit at that table <laughs> <sighs> not not even really just sit at that table because it'd be nice to sit at that table and form something new mm-hmm. but just like to sit at that table be in my house that's a whole nother episode yeah, well, so as we wrap this episode up, Letty, if you would want to offer us maybe a final word, what would be helpful to continue to wrestle through in thinking of what it, does it mean to engage those who are in that age range, post-secondary, you know, post-university? What's the final thought you'd want to leave on this topic? I think we're starting to, and I see a lot of new pastors coming in that do have that shared experience as well to take away that barrier of seeking that same experience and inviting them into what God is doing now. Yeah. And I think having that space to show what God is doing in the Asian churches, because right now they're only getting all the bad rep, but God is at work. Yes. And I think we just, yeah, they need to see it and be invited into it. And if a secular world sees like the importance of representation. I think we ourselves need to see what that means to represent Christ as Asian Christians as well. Mm. Good thoughts. All right. Thank you, Letty Wong. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast and the conversation. Thank you for giving us your insights and sharing your experiences with us. Thank you for having me. All right. You guys have been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. Please remember to rate and review our episodes because that helps us get this conversation out there and engage with more people. You can connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, or by email. We'd love to hear from you. Please let us know how we are doing in this conversation and how we can be doing it better. But also let us know how you are wrestling with this in your context and living this out. Are you experiencing the same thing? Once again, this is the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you later. Peace.